Our second scripture reading from the New Testament is from Paul's second letter to the, church, to the Corinthian church, chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. From, that, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord not only in the words spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Amen. What are your New Year's resolutions? What do you resolve to do in 2022? It's hard not to get the urge on a day like today, right? A new day, a new year, a new you, filled with hope for renewal. Prompted, of course, by the guilty awareness that most of us ate our weight in desserts over the last few weeks. Okay, let's be honest. Last year's resolutions didn't make it past the 5th of January. But this year's going to be different, right? Somebody did a study of the most popular New Year's resolutions. And these will come as no surprise to you. Number one, spend more time with family and friends. Number two, exercise more. Number three, lose weight. Four, quit smoking. Five, quit drinking. Six, get organized. Seven, get out of debt. Eight, learn something new. Nine, help others. Ten, enjoy life more. We know this drill. 115 million of us will make New Year's resolutions this week. 25% of them will be broken by next weekend. 50% of them will end in January. 91% won't even last the year. More often than not, New Year's resolutions turn into little more than a source of constant frustration. We set high goals and then wonder why we never attain them. So we either stop setting goals altogether which is not necessarily a good choice, or make resolutions that are ridiculously easy to keep. I asked a friend a couple of years ago what his New Year's resolution was, and without missing a beat, he said, breathing. (laughs) We all know gyms have their greatest membership increases this month. And And like a lot of you, I'll commit to doing my workout tomorrow morning, but... Beyond that, it's anyone's guess. 
But it's more than just spending more time getting into shape. New Year's resolutions are meant to serve as helpful spiritual purposes as well. New Year's resolutions are the way of starting over, ways of practicing new life and new birth, of putting the past behind us and committing ourselves to what's ahead. And if we're completely honest, I think we'd all like to put 2021 behind us. It was a year that began with rising infection rates and hospitalizations and deaths, and a year that ended in much of the same way. It was a year, the second in a row, in which America learned that we're not nearly as prepared for crisis as we'd like to think. And we learned it in the worst possible way, at the cost of over 800,000 lives lost and counting. It was another year of political unrest, with congressional select committees and controversies around the Supreme Court, with concerns about inflation and military spending and leadership confidence at an all-time low. Our military left Afghanistan and its government swiftly fell back to the Taliban. Tensions continue to rise with China. Russia seems intent on pushing the line on the border of Ukraine, and there are millions sick and starving and scared people around the world. Gas prices seem to be slowly following after exploding just a couple of months ago. iPhones and iPads and microchips were all stuck in container ships outside our ports. Gunshots continued to rip through hallways of our schools and tornadoes and flooding and wildfires devastated entire communities. Scientists struggled to keep up with an ever-mutating virus. And all of us wrung our hands over inflation and the never-ending gridlock on Capitol Hill. We welcomed back Ghostbusters and West Side Story and said goodbye to Stephen Sondheim and Betty White and John Madden. Britney Spears released exactly zero albums this year and still managed to make Google's list of the most popular internet searches with the Free Britney campaign. It was a year of too much Harry and Meghan and Aaron, and Shailene, and Benefer 2.0. There was too much succession, and Squid Game, and too much Joe Manchin, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and not nearly enough Ted Lasso. That all happened, of course, in the public eye. But we had our own personal crises and tragedies that were no less traumatic. Pink slips, and lab reports, and divorce papers, and rejection letters, and death certificates. 2021, in other words, is a year that many of us are happy to close the book on. But if anyone is in Christ, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Oh, if that were only true, that we could leave the past behind and start all over again, a clean slate, a new hard drive, a second chance. If only all things would become new, if we could become new people, different people than we were when we walked into the sanctuary about 30 minutes ago. I think that's the appeal of New, of new Year's resolutions. 
despite what the past has taught us, despite whatever sort of disaster the last year has been, the new year holds out hope for something new. Y'all are smart enough to see where this train of thought is headed. Christianity is all about new beginnings. If you've already forgotten our 2021 stewardship theme, you heard Britain just read it a minute ago. I'm doing a new thing, God says. The book of Revelation ends with God saying, I'm making all things new. Jeremiah reminds us God's mercies are new every morning. Creation began in the morning. The women came to the tomb in the morning. The new day begins in the morning, and when the sun rises over the stable in Bethlehem, it's always morning, always a new day, a new start, a new covenant, a new relationship, a new page on the calendar, a new light on the horizon. Whatever was yesterday is gone. If anyone is in Christ, Paul says, there's a new creation. The Gospel of John refers to it as being born again. And the poet E.E. E. Cummings says, you can never be born enough because something deep within us always longs to be made new, to be born again and again and again. The Greeks called that kind of transformation metanoia, literally to be given a new heart, to have someone reach in and pull out the old one and put a new one in. Despite all our New Year's resolutions, despite our best intentions and our firmest resolve, we cannot do it under our own power. Paul would be the first to agree that you cannot change human nature, but God can in Christ. The God who makes the new creation is the God who made the first creation. And that God is in the business of making all things new. In Christ, you and I are becoming something new. It's the continuous theme of the Bible. One second chance after another. One fresh start after another. One new opportunity after another. And it all begins at the manger on Christmas morning. I read a story a couple of weeks ago about something that happened all the way back in May of 1992 in Sarajevo, which was probably at that time the bleakest place on earth. Christians, Orthodox, and Muslims had been battling for political control in a war that had been going on for centuries. Ethnic cleansing was common practice. Neighbors forced neighbors from family homes and land that were generations old. Everybody was an enemy, enemy of someone else. It was a bloody and hopeless time. Vedran Smelovich was a Bosnian, born in Sarajevo into a very musical family. By the age of 37, he himself had become the principal cellist in the, in the prestigious Sarajevo opera. But after months of bombing, the opera house, like the rest of the city, was in ruins, completely gone. The economy and any sense of national unity were shattered. 
Years later, Smailovich would describe Sarajevo in those days as the capital of hell. On May 27, 1992, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, a long line of starving people was waiting in front of the only bakery in Sarajevo that still had enough flour to make bread. As they stood there in line, a mortar shell was dropped in the street. 22 people died. Veteran Smailovich stood at his window 100 yards away and watched and wept. The next day, hungry people lined up again to beg for bread, convinced that they would die if they didn't, and equally convinced they would die if they did. Then it happened. Vedran Smelovich arrived, dressed in a black suit and white tie of the opera company. He carried his cello in one hand and a cafe chair in the other. Smailovich sat down in the square, surrounded by debris and death and despair, and began to play Albnawi's Adagio in G minor. That day and every day for the next 22 days, Smailovich returned at 4 o'clock every afternoon to play his cello. In time, other musicians joined him. Some took their places beside him. Others found places at street corners elsewhere in the city and made music. Eventually, the, the fighting stopped. Today, in that square in Sarajevo, there's a bronze statue of a man in a chair playing a cello. Around the pedestal on which the chair sits are bouquets of flowers, always with 22 flowers in each one. It's a moment, it's a monument to the man they call the cellist of Sarajevo. But the monument is not to his music. As good as he was as a musician, it's also not a monument to his courage. It's not even a monument to peace. It's a monument to tomorrow. It's a monument to believing that what we see now is not all there is. It's a monument to hope. Hope is the fundamental Christian declaration. God is not yet finished with us, and God is not yet finished with this world. Our destiny is always ahead of us. All that we hope for is in the future. This is the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. God's new day begins today. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Thanks be to God. Amen.